Good morning. We're going to be reading Psalms 42. It's uh, on page 469 of your pew Bible. As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of the Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Please pray with me. Thank you, Father, for not being separated from us as the psalmist laments about being away from the temple. Thank you that you don't dwell in the temple anymore, but you dwell within us. We are your temple. Thank you, Father, for the steadfast love that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you for the hope that is in us. The hope of Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, our Lord and our Savior. Father, I just ask that you be with us today as we worship you. I ask that you be with Pastor Cody as he preaches your word this morning. I ask that you be each, in each and every one of our minds and our hearts this morning that we would hear your word clearly preached. We ask this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm delighted to open the word with you this morning. If you're not here for our welcome and announcements, we were planning, or I was planning on continuing our, our series in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, 11 through 15, and you ladies can wait another week for that passage. Don't worry, men, you're involved in there as well. Uh, but I would encourage you to be studying and praying for that. This is uh, 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15. If you've not already looked at it, which I would hope and trust that you have, but as you look at it, maybe even this week, I want to let you know that one of the reasons why this 
sermon will be so important is that getting that passage wrong, which is so clearly done in our Western culture, is the seedbed for, for the many, many, many problems that we see in the United States of America as it, as it, as it comes to feminism, as it comes to homosexuality, adultery, pornography, all of these things spring from getting 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15 wrong. So it's a, it's a weighty passage. It's a passage much needed for our culture today. And I trust that the Lord will, will use that passage. Uh, and I desired to preach it. I was planning on preaching it. But the Lord had other things in mind. And namely, that was the crashing of a computer. So we have shifted by the fly, on the fly, by the power of the Spirit. And we are going to go through uh, Psalm 42 this morning. And even uh, as we have been singing this morning, and as we have uh, been, in, have been praying together, uh, I've been encouraged to, to know that this passage is, is helpful for us. In many ways, I feel like we, I kind of cheat every new year by kind of claiming January to 2017 and kind of thinking, well, I've got, I've got 31 days that before I have to really get into the new year. And so as we, as we conclude this, this first month of 2018, and here we are uh, launching into February, even next week, I think it would be an encouragement to us to hear from the word out of Psalm 42 and remind ourselves of a few foundational truths that will serve us well for this coming year. The question that we must ask ourselves as we launch into this year is what is the, what is our longing? What do you want for 2018? Well, we all know the, the many New Year's resolutions that were made and probably already have been broken by this time. But at the heart of those are desires. People wanting and longing for something. And it's an, it's an, an innumerable, it's a long list of things by which they approach a new year. And there are everything from, from physical changes to, to social changes, spiritual changes, mental changes, relational changes. They want, they want something different. They're longing for something. And in fact, most of the time, then the question really gets to them in February when, the, when they're not seeing the progress that they were hoping for and longing for. What are they going to do now? Where are they turning? And I would submit that most of the time they turn the wrong direction, as we'll see here articulated in this passage. We have before us Psalm 42. And as we approach it, we don't have an, a clear idea of the author I don't think it's a stretch to uh, place the authorship on King David. If it's not King David, it could very well be applied to King David and all that's happening here. And there's the if it is King David, there's a lot of historical context that goes with this passage. Uh, we can see in verse 6 of this passage sort of the location of where this is being written. The land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. That's the north side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a long way away from the sanctuary. Whoever is writing this at the time, if it's David, we know that the, the temple has not built, been built in Jerusalem. But where the people of God are congregating for central worship of God, he's not able, whoever this author is, to be with them. He's, he's on a, he, he's in a wasteland. He's in a desert land. He's, he's far away, away from the people of God. He's alone. 
He's growing discouraged even by that loneliness. And he longs, you see in verse 1 through 4, he longs to be with the people of God worshipping. He recalls the times he's been with the people of God worshipping. These things, he says, I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude-keeping festival. He's recalling the, the good old days, if you will, of when things were just so much more encouraging for his soul. And here he is, way out in the middle of nowhere, seemingly all by himself. And he's panting. And he's desiring and he's longing to be with the people of God. The first, uh, uh, con- the context of this is, as we t- often think of verse 1, as a deer pants from, for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And, and the application certainly is there for our own private lives, that we would have such a desire and a panting and desire to be with God and in his word and to know him. But initially here, this is the psalmist desiring to be with you. Desiring to be with the body of Christ. Desiring to be in worship. Desiring to be fed by the word. We have many longings as well. And many of them are good longings. Many of us have those in our family who are sick right now. I don't know about you, but I have a longing to be free from sickness in my home. Many of us may have a, a longing for our marriage to be stronger than it is. Or maybe even healed. Maybe it's the longing to be reconciled to a, a family friend. Or a family member. That has been years maybe since we've been able to have a close relationship and conversation with them. Maybe it's the longing to gain freedom from a particular sin. That just seems to be hanging on. These are good longings. We also have bad longings. We long to cover our sin better. We, we would prefer that you not know what I'm struggling with. And if I could just get better at hiding that well. We long to get away from it all just for some me-centered time. So not all of our longings are good. But for those who are saved in Jesus Christ... I trust that the prevailing longing that we continue to come back to and are even drawn to by the power of the Spirit and the Word of God is the longing for God. And I would even, I would even say that the longing should be to be here. As I, as I talk with pastors, it's clear that the, the way I grew up and, and the, and the, the, the going to church on a regular basis Growing up, every Sunday, going to Sunday school, going to to main service worship. That's a thing of the past. Nobody does that anymore. You people are weird to show up. It's just not a common thing anymore to be committed to a church body. It's not common anymore. It's not even delighted that you would want to come and be with the body of Christ outside of Sunday morning. This is a social event. Don't you know that? That's the way we see it in our culture today. But may we have a longing for this. And there's times then when I don't long to stand up in front and and preach the word of God. And I know there's times when you don't long to come and be here. But I trust that the truth overcomes the, the wrong longings. And you do show up. 
And the amount of times that I didn't want to be here and I came and the, the word ministered to me so much more than if I hadn't come is so true. The amount of times that I've stood up here and thought, oh, if that brother or sister had just been here, this is the word that they could have really used. And then I hear from them that week, yeah, we just didn't feel like coming this morning. Ah. Oh. May we long to be with the people of God in praise and in worship and in delight. And even when we don't long, may we long too long to be with one another and listening to the word. Now notice what happens here. He's longing. He's longing to the point that he has seemingly got himself in the, to the spiritual doldrums. He, he's discouraged. He is depressed. He is fearful, maybe. Lonely. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil, turmoil within me? He is not encouraged at the moment. Uh, the, the, the darkness seems to be close around him. And then he asks himself this question. And the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones would say, you need to learn to talk back to yourself and ask yourself good questions. Why again am I so discouraged? And he answers his own question. Verse 5 and 6, Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. And Warren said it clearly, even in his prayer, that, that the temple of God is no longer a place. By God's grace, we don't have to get onto a plane and go to Jerusalem. But that the temple of God is within us. And therefore, we can call to mind and remember the truth of God's word and the truth of God's word can minister to us. We don't need, we go to a place, important, but it will also have the word of God that can minister to us. And he calls to mind the things of God. He calls to mind a hope in God. And we say, well, who is this God? Because in our darkness, in the discouragement of the, the daily walk with Christ, in the discouragement of the spiritual walk, it can get hard. And we say, the hope in God, brother. Well, who is he? Well, he's the God who, by his word, spun the planets into motion. We're, we're spinning even now. The force of, of gravity keeping your feet on the ground. He formed the earth by the word of his power. He fashioned man as a potter mushes clay. As a child plays with dirt and forms it into a mud pie, he formed the amazing creation that is the human body. And he made everyone to be different, but the same. He holds us together by the word of his power. He turned on like we go to the wall and flip the switch and the lights come on. He turned on the sun. He turned on the moon and he turns it off. And he turns it on and every single time he does, it displays his glory in an entirely new and different way. And then he filled the seas and the dry lands with beasts and birds and fish and the innumerable creatures and all the glory that is there. And yet still in our darkness, and even I would assume King David, whoever wrote this, get to a point in time where you say, but that doesn't mean anything to me right now. Yeah, I went and watched the sunrise, but I'm still discouraged. So what? But do you believe in God? 
Do you believe in God? I don't know where you are with your relationship with God, but if you find yourself here this morning going, who is God? I know he's creator of the universe, but I don't have this relationship that you talk about, that you pray about, that you people discuss. What is this? How do I have an intimate relationship with this almighty God? You say he's going to be, he can be my father. What is this? And I would just simply encourage you to recognize the truth. That in our sin, we cannot have a relationship with this almighty God. But by the person and work of Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, shedding his blood. He covers our sin and he gives us the hope of eternal life because of his resurrection, conquering the grave. And you too, if you will repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you, will be saved and granted not just salvation for eternity, but a close, intimate, father-son, father-daughter relationship that strengthens you, that picks you up, that encourages you, that lifts you, even in the hard times and circumstances of life. Because... Every believer here would know, brothers and sisters, we know that there are times when the weight of our sin, when the seemingly crushing circumstances of life block out the ability, block out the strength to hope in God. It's hard to do that at times. And so what then? What do you do then when it's hard to do that? Well, there's a great hymn of the faith. My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. The writer says, who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin on Calvary. For me, he died. For me, he lives. And everlasting life and light he freely gives. We have the hope of eternal life. And so when it's difficult to hope in God affecting the circumstances, even changing them, we have an eternal hope that is fixed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The one who has, is even now mediating before the Father, as we saw in 1 Timothy 2 for us. Who's the, the hope and surety for us. Who has given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who helps us in our weakness when we don't even know how to pray in our difficulties from Romans eight twenty six, And therefore, we shall again yet praise Him. I don't at times know how to hope in God that tomorrow is going to be much better than it is today. But I do know I do know that because of the work of Christ, my hope is fixed for eternity. And that is at times all you need. That's at times all he gives you because that's really the wonder, the truth that carries you through the short-term difficulties of this life. Because nothing, and that means nothing, period, can keep us from the Father who has called and saved and holds and keeps us to the end. He's saved us. And therefore, whatever may be the circumstances for the saved, all of us know that there is an eternal purpose to the difficulties that are around us. Well, that's just 1 through 4 and 5 through 6. But let's look at 7 through 11. Before we get to 7 and 11, let's just glance at 6b and 10. Notice verse 6 really ends verse 5. 
and my God. And then he launches into my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon. From Mount Mazar. Deep calls the deep. At the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers. Your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands a steadfast love. And at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. As with the deadly wound in my bones. My adversaries taunt me. While they say to me continually. Where is your God? If you wanted to put a, a title. Or a, a point. Uh, on these these four or five verses here, I, I think it's clear he's just depicting his actual circumstances. Notice he's, he's far away from the people of God, from the sanctuary. That's articulated in verse 6. Uh, the overwhelming nature of his situation, verse 7. Notice that deep calls to deep. Just, just the, the noise, the cacophony, the overwhelming nature of this difficulty. Verse 7. Notice that verse 9, this feeling alone and almost forgotten. God, why have you forgotten me? Why am I believing the enemy? I know the truth. Why am I believing these lies? The hurtful words of the enemy, the lies of Satan, verse 10. Those that taunt the enemies, that taunt him, that do not know the love of God. And I think that there is application for us here. Whatever you might be going through that may be of a difficult nature. Maybe you are in a a dark time in your walk at the moment. We should be clear. It's not helpful to, to sugarcoat reality. Reality is that. It is real. It is actually what's going on. And we should be clear about that. And it's okay to say, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it could be. But it's also okay to say, but it's bad. It's not easy at the moment. The question lies less in our articulation of the reality of the difficulty of the situation and more of where are we turning in the difficulty of the situation? Where do we go to get clarity of the difficulty of the situation? Where do we go for answers? And so oftentimes, unfortunately, people who are striving, longing for things in January and in February have have not realized those longings, they turn for the answers to those difficulties. They look within themselves. We have in our culture today so much that is difficult. We've got racism. Whites are being racist for blacks. Blacks are being racist for against whites. We've got homosexuality. We've got adultery. We've got pornography. We've got... a. Oh, Just all of this. But when we hear about all these things, one of the things I want you to hear consistently is where people look for answers to these problems. And so often it's within. So often it's it's me that can answer my own problems. It's so often that the society is the answer to the society. (laughs) We're the problem. We can't be the problem and the answer. It doesn't work that way. Problems, just it's just going around and around and around. And every single time the cycle spins, we just get bigger and bigger and bigger. In the difficulties of these things, we have, we have to look outside. Because the answer does not lie within us. And in fact, even the psalmist here is going to turn here in a moment, as we've already seen and we'll see yet again. As he turns 
to look outside of himself to the work of Christ, to the work of God. And for us as believers today, the outside force we must look to to be the the medication, the assistance that we need for whether it's our culture or our own private lives has got to be Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you're turning to your own self to medicate your problem. Are you turning to your own ways to fix the solution to the darkness that you're going through? You're turning the wrong direction. There's no hope in yourself. It will not answer the way you want. A patient needs a doctor. The the child needs his mother. And the believer in Jesus Christ, the saint, has the outward, outside force of Jesus Christ that we are to look to, to be that which assists us in our difficulties. So the psalmist depicts here clearly what he's going through. But he then turns. And let's conclude with that. Notice he turns in verse 11. He even turns in verse 9. He even turns in verse 7. And he certainly turns in verse 8. If you want to look at anything in this passage. As he starts in verse 1. And by the time he gets to the middle. And then toward the end. He is just speeding up. His sight back away from himself. And looking toward God. He's continually shifting. His words are beginning. He starts in verse 7. Deep calls to deep. And he, he's talking about the cacophony. The difficulty. The overwhelming nature of this struggle. But then what he says. Have gone over me. Your breakers he says. He's already beginning to realize. All of this is from a sovereign God. It's your breakers that are doing this. It's your waves that are doing this. And then he gets to verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song was with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Notice he he talks about his difficulties in verse 9. But he first says, I say to God, my rock. The one who, even in the midst of the, the waves crashing over me that you God have brought. You at the same time are the rock that are going to hold me all the way through. And then certainly by the time he gets to verse 11, he is... In a grand state of exclamation. Hope in God for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. What's some application and conclusion for our time today? Well three things I would give to us. One. As we look toward 2018. As we look to see longings. Whatever they be fulfilled. As we desire Maybe even in the difficulties of wherever the Lord has you to get out of those and longing for those. And, and in the difficulty of those, I think there's three points of application here. One, look to the love of God. That's number one. Look to the love of God. Look to the love of God for you that never moves or fades and is secured in the heavens. Is steadfast, immovable, and undeterred. That's what he says in verse 8. By, the Lord, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. When's the last time you just read Romans 8? And meditated upon the immense love of God? When's the last time you just spent time looking up the amount of times? And there's, um, there's many, 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 many of them. Of just the two words steadfast love in scripture. That is something that will not change. Though the circumstances around us may blow around Look to the love of God. Secondly, verse 7 as well, as I've already mentioned, recognize the sovereign hand of God. If you're meditating upon the love of God, then you'll know that the sovereign hand of God is a good hand. 
So whether it's your marriage or whether it's the sickness or whether it's your children or whether it's your job or whether it's your finances or whatever it is that seems to be pressing in in an overwhelming way, understand and recognize the sovereign good hand of God in all things that is for you. It's 100% for you. All of it's on you. Because of the work of Christ, the sovereign good God that spun the planets into motion is all for you now. Thirdly, verse 8. Renew your mind in the truth of God's love to you. You've got to renew your mind. We are a people that have been created to think. And we have got to think. And oftentimes what happens in the darkness, in the difficulties, is... We're thinking about the lies. We're thinking about the difficulties. And we just think, if I stop thinking about those, maybe they'll go away. Well, that's probably not going to be the case. To make those lies and difficulties stop and bring them under the light of God's sovereignty, you have to start thinking about something else. And that's exactly what's happened here. The psalmist says, started thinking about what God has done for him. That's what he says, hope in God. For I shall again praise him. I know that I will have him for eternity. I know that his steadfast love is upon me. I know that his song is with me. I know that I can pray. And so he begins to articulate the truth of what he can do. Even in the midst of what is outside of his control. So are we doing that as well? Are we renewing our mind in the truth of God's love for us? His sovereignty? Of what we know to be his promises? And trust me, his promises far outweigh all the lies that the enemy has that says they cannot come true. Psalm 42, I hope and trust that it has been an encouragement to you. There's certainly so much more in in this passage here. But I would pray that even as we would continue to commit to be together Sunday morning after Sunday morning of 2018, that the word of God, and I trust, will provide us immense encouragement even when things seem to be a bit difficult. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is good. It never fails to feed the soul. It never fails to nourish it. Our thirsty, parched hearts. It never fails to, to lift us and strengthen us never fails to bring us down off our pedestal of pride it's always perfect it's always just the right medication for what is needed father we thank you for the the word that you've given to us this morning we trust and ask and pray that it will be it will set well upon each heart that is here we're so grateful father that we are not people without hope In a hopeless world, we are people that walk with hope. We are people that have been given sight to see. And it's come from you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we are are so grateful. We are grateful, Father, that even in the darkest times, that whether it's the brother or sister in the Lord, whether it's the opening of the Bible, whether it's prayer, whether it's singing the, the, the wonder and the truth, of who you are in in song 
Whether it's sitting down and listening to a sermon or coming together on Sunday morning and the immense grace that is the corporate worship of the body of Christ, that you call us back, that you remind us that there is no darkness where there is light. And that you have given us the light of Christ that has eradicated the darkness. That there is no circumstance, no matter how weighty, there is no sin, no matter how pressing, that you are not in control of and that you will not give us the grace to walk through. So may we walk humbly this week, but may we walk with great joy. Minister to the saints, Father. Strengthen us by your spirit. We desperately need you. You alone are our rock. We look to no one else. May our minds be renewed this week in your truth. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we thank you and pray. Amen.